0: Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's Analysis Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our episode today looks at the joint statement issued by the foreign ministers of India and China after a two and a half hour long meeting that went into the night in Moscow yesterday, September 10th, and which now contains a five point course of action to de escalate the four month long standoff at the line of actual control. In previous episodes, we've discussed, of course, the details of that standoff at various junctures and why, for months, despite meetings at various levels, the de-escalation process was really making very little headway. To the contrary, there only seemed to be more flare-ups. The question that we will take up today is therefore a very simple one. Will this new 5-point course of action announced by the foreign ministers make any difference at all? In doing so, we'll also discuss where things stand now and where they could be headed going forward. I'm joined by Anand Krishnan, the Hindu's former Beijing correspondent and National and Diplomatic Affairs Editor, Suhasini Haider. Anant and Suhasini, it's great to have you both back on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, uh, Jam. Thanks, Jam.
0: Right. Uh, so, so big news today about the, um, the five-pound plan for uh, resolving border tensions that India's foreign minister and uh, China's foreign minister have agreed on in these talks that took place yesterday. Um, so just to start with, I think we just have to ask, what, what is what is this five-point plan? Uh, what is it going to achieve that multiple levels of talks have not achieved so far? Right. So Ashton, you want to take that first? Yeah.
1: Sure. Uh, Jayantan, as with every agreement we have seen so far, every small conversation between the Indian and the Chinese side since the standoff began uh, at the beginning of May, um, essentially the proof of the pudding will be in what we see happen in the next few uh, days, particularly. What we understand is military commanders will now take this agreement forward. And they've been given very specific guidelines on which to go by. So what officials coming out of the meeting told us was that these five points to the agreement, which you spoke about, are essentially that the consensus developed between Prime Minister Modi and President Xi of not allowing differences to become disputes is going to be taken forward. So the Wuhan spirit has not died yet. Um, The second, that the foreign minister's uh, have agreed, and this is the important bit, which the uh, w- which you will see military commanders take forward, is that the border troops of both sides will continue their dialogue, quickly disengage, maintain a proper distance, and ease tensions. Uh, these are very uh, purposefully chosen phrases we're being told by the officials to make the point to military commanders that this is the 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 you know this is the way forward, the template really for disengagement so they have to disengage between the two forces uh, keep a proper distance remember normal posts are 25 to 30 kilometers away from each other in the last week particularly we've seen them come right up to the lac on both sides which is a very dangerous situation uh, the third is that the uh, that you know previous agreements protocols will be abided by uh, maintenance of peace and tranquility and uh, avoidance of any action uh, that could escalate matters. The fourth is to continue the talks. So the talks have been really at four places the foreign ministers, as we just saw, the border commanders on the ground, the special representatives, where uh, Mr. Wang Yi doubles up as uh, China's special representative and ours is NSAG Doval, and the WMCC, which is the working mechanism for consultation and coordination in India-China border affairs. This is a group of bureaucrats, officials from across ministries and across the military as well. So these four levels of meetings will continue. And finally, and this is frankly the only the the, the only new part of uh, the five-part agreement, if you like, uh, compared to the previous few months, that is that the ministers have agreed that um, as the situation eases, once tensions ease, They must work on new confidence building measures and a new CBM mechanism to take forward. And this, the uh, foreign ministers agreed, is what they want to now uh, start working on. So that's the five point uh, agreement. But remember, it is only the template for disengagement, after which the two sides will probably come together and try to find a new way of uh, dealing with each other, really.
0: Anand, uh, what's your perspective on uh, what was the agreement that was, uh, that, that was signed yesterday?
2: Well, I think uh, just to add to us, what Swastani said, I thought the last of the five points was particularly interesting, uh, given that uh, there has been a lot of discussion about whether the four border agreements uh, that are in place of 1993, 1996, 2005, and 2012 are they relevant or have they completely broken down? Is something that uh, a lot of people have been asking given that a lot of the developments in May and June have gone completely uh, against what many of these agreements have said. So I think that the fact that um, the fifth point actually speaks about the fact that both sides should look at confidence building measures, uh, and it says that they should expedite work to conclude new CVMs to maintain and enhance peace and tranquility. I thought that's something that's interesting. Though, of course, I think that The immediate priority would be on disengaging. As Swastani said, in some places, they are barely a few meters apart. So before you can come to the next phase of trying to see what can be done to prevent such things from happening, obviously, the immediate priority is to disengage and de-escalate. Looking at uh, the Chinese statement, it's interesting that both sides released this five-point consensus, but they also released their own individual statements. And I think that looking at India's statement and China's statement, there's no doubt there are points of difference uh, if you look at the two statements. Uh, one interesting thing with Chinese statement is, unlike uh, the previous statements we've seen, including from the defense minister when he met Rajanath Singh on September 4th, including what the PLA Western Theater Command has said, it is slightly different in, in tone. It's not as harsh as those statements. It does not say India is entirely to blame which is something that China has been emphasizing over the last few months. So I think in some sense, the tone seems to have mellowed a bit. But having said that, there are no doubt points of difference. There's no mentioning of by either side of returning to status quo of May. The Chinese side seems to have, in India's view, mischaracterized a little bit what uh, the external affairs minister said uh, in terms of, uh, you know, they have quoted him as saying Uh, that the boundary situation is not a prerequisite for the relationship. But in fact, India has been saying the opposite, that without peace on the boundary, you can't have anything else uh, as far as the relationship is concerned. So there's no doubt there are points of difference. I don't think we should exaggerate the outcomes of the meeting as saying all the issues are settled. But at the same time, I think uh, there is some hope that hopefully, at least it seems to have gone a little better than the defense minister's meeting of last week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Asni, Anand brings up an an important point there, which is that while there are these five points of consensus, there do remain important differences on uh, from each side. So uh, what have you heard about what some of those differences might be, at least from um, from the um, Indian External Affairs Ministry side?
1: Well, certainly, as, as Anand pointed out, you know, the Indian side has consistently said that what the mobilization of the Chinese troops at the LAC, the aggressive actions, these represent a departure from the past. This is not business as usual. Um, and uh, so therefore, there is that sense that for India, this is a crisis situation. This is a dangerous situation. It is a very serious situation, as the external affairs minister said before he went. And they don't want to let uh, the Chinese side essentially make this about uh, you know the the broader picture of the talks between the two countries and the bilateral relations not being affected. So in fact, the Indian side took exception as as, as Anand said to uh, the Chinese side, characterising Mr. Jay Shankar's statement as saying uh, that really we don't want what has happened in the standoff to affect relations between the two countries because Mr. Jay Shankar has been very clear what happens at the LAC. Cannot be delinked from the relationship itself. So that's one big divergence. I think there is a certain divergence when uh, one side reads half a sentence and takes it to mean only the first half, um, when actually the, the other side is saying uh, that, you know, that, but all of this. So, uh, so for example, if uh, you put the two documents together, uh, one side is saying we see what China has done. That is, the Indian side is saying we see the mobilisation as a major change of policy. We see this mobilisation as something that um, we still can't understand. Um, however, what uh, what uh, the Chinese side says is that both sides agreed there's been no change in policy on both sides. Uh, so it's a it's a kind of uh, mis misrepresentation, if you like. I think. What we are seeing now is there's less of a misreading of each other because of the, these two face-to-face meetings. And remember, before Rajnath Singh met his uh, counterpart in Moscow last week and then uh, Mr. Shankar met with uh, uh, Mr. Wang Yi, we didn't have any face-to-face meetings. All the meetings have been over video conference or on the telephone uh, at this political level. So now that we have that and both sides have made commitments face-to-face, I think there is a kind of hope, that these commitments will now translate on the ground. I do want to make the point, though, Jan, that even if these talks go exactly as planned now and we do see a disengagement, we do see a de-escalation, There is still going to be many outstanding questions, and we have to remember that because uh, the 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 plan may be to try and disengage and de-escalate before the winters set in, because it is as the uh, Chinese Foreign Ministry said the other day, it is a harsh environment for soldiers to have to be up there at the LAC through the winters. But the questions will still remain: Will both sides restore status quo ante, and that means Chinese aggressions, transgressions in areas like North Pangong, in Depsang? Are we going to see Soldiers actually go back to positions there, because from what we hear, the Chinese side has gotten more comfortable in many of these places in the last four or five months. Uh, The second, really, is China going to be able to explain its actions? Why the mobilization? Why the transgressions? Uh, It happened in at least five sectors, so there must be some reason, and we have made it clear we still don't understand why China did this. Um, I think the third question, and this is a more rhetorical question perhaps, but I think it means something in India. Uh, which is that will there be some accountability for the death of uh, 20 Indian soldiers uh, at Galwan? That was a first. We saw uh, clashes for a first time. We saw violent clashes and we saw these deaths for the first time. So the question has to be, is is there going to be some accountability for what has already occurred? Or can we just move ahead? And then, of course, there is the, the last more broad scale. Are we going to be able to see the LAC as this kind of calm, uh, zero action line of, uh, uh, you know, boundary line between the two countries that we had come to believe it was, and now in a summer has completely changed?
0: Right. Yeah, Anand, to just reflect the, the words of the external affairs ministry there, um, are we any closer to understanding what, is, uh, what are the motivations of China? What has really motivated this mobilization across the LAC?
2: Frankly, giant. Uh, in, my, in my view, I don't think we're in any the wiser as to what actually prompted these big deployments in May and this attempt to redraw the LAC in various areas. But I always feel that, uh, I mean, we try to get, we get too caught up in reading intentions when the outcomes on the ground are much more important. At the end of the day, that's what you have to deal with. And I think that ultimately the big question is, there have been many, many meetings since June. I think we have now forgotten that even the June 15th clash in Galwan Valley followed a meeting to disengage on June 6th. So I think that should serve a reminder that the big challenge has been translating these uh, agreements into the ground. And that's been a challenge since uh, even going back to end May. And so I think that's what leaves me a little uh, cautious. uh, I would even say concerned is that you've had conversations at the level of NSAs, foreign ministers, uh, at least five co-commander-level talks, multiple talks at other levels. Yet, even while talks have been going on, you've been seeing, rather than a de-escalation, you've been seeing a buildup of forces. So will it be different this time around? I think that's what really remains to be seen. Has Wang Yi spoken with the blessing of Xi Jinping, uh, who heads the PLA as well? Is he speaking with the blessing of Xi Jinping to de-escalate and defuse? Or is it a question where they are saying what they would, what is kind of, uh, what you'd expect them to say in terms of wanting peace, et cetera, while uh, the military is driving another strategy? I think we have to wait and see over the next week, two weeks, if there actually is going to be a change in situation on the ground uh, following yesterday's talks. I think that's the real question. Yeah, so I think to,
0: to just kind of uh, take it from there to this, uh, to this communication aspect. Uh, given where we are now, the point we have reached, it's been a few months, I think since um, since you know we declared uh, they said we said that there's this disengagement that's happened along the lAC and uh, you know since then things have you know emerged as being a, a far more complicated. Uh, given where we are now, what, what what are your comments on just the way that this has been communicated by uh, the Indian government?
1: Well, I do have to say at the risk of um, uh, of offending that we have behaved in a sense, in a way that we see uh, the Chinese government normally dealing with such situations. On the Indian side, there was for at least a month, a complete blackout of any news. We know now that the first clashes occurred on May 5th. And even though there were injuries from those clashes, people being flown to hospital the government refused to admit really anything had happened. In fact, in mid-May, which is about a month after the mobilization actually was first reported by intelligence agencies, we're told, um, even till mid-May, we had the army chief essentially saying this happens every year. It's not something new. By the time the Galwan clashes took place and 20 so Indian soldiers died, we still don't know how many on the Chinese side, what we did see was the government realizing that things had could not now be explained as um, as something that is uh, that happens often um we've seen at least three precedents now in the last uh, few few months the first is that the lac has actually seen blood there have been deaths uh then we have seen that there is gunfire That took off. And of course, both sides have now agreed that there should be no gunfire. But, you know, once a precedent is broken, once you've crossed that Rubicon, the question, can we go back? Um, And uh, then we've seen other parts of the relationship where the two sides had made some progress, whether it's economic ties, whether it's visas, whether it's the people to people relationship, which we know has taken a really big hit. All of these are now, we are dealing in a very new territory, in very uncharted territory. So when you talk about communications from the government, it's not just about a blow by blow of what is happening at the line of actual control, which peaks are being commandeered, which peaks are being dominated. It's also about where is this relationship going if the government is taking steps against China? Where is it going? Uh, Another thing we haven't seen ever in the past is the government publicly admitting or acknowledging or allowing a public funeral of a Tibetan soldier, a member of uh, the Special Frontier Forces, the SFF, that was set up in 1962. It's uh, not been spoken about uh, for 60 years, and now we see a public funeral for a Tibetan soldier uh, on Indian soil and somebody who was actually patrolling at the line of actual control. Now, these are all difficult issues and very complex ones, as you pointed out. These are not something that are going to Uh, appear in government communiques on a normal basis. But I think the government has allowed four to five months of so much obfuscation that they are going to have to start taking people on board, start telling people, certainly in a democracy, that's what's expected, exactly what happened. How much did China actually come in when the prime minister said, Nobody has entered and nobody's inside Indian territory. Does that statement still stand? Um, and I know this is asking a lot, Jen, but I think as a journalist, you know, we have seen the government change its line or, or certainly acknowledge much more uh, that journalists had been reporting in May, acknowledge that to be true today. So it would, it would actually help if the government was now to open up a little more and say, OK, we are working towards easing the situation, but here is where we stand.
0: Um, Anant, uh, this is a question that we, I, I'm guessing that we will return to time and again over the next few months, but um, given where we are now, what, uh, what can we say about uh, the larger implications for this, uh, at this point that we stand now for relationship between India and China?
2: So I think both sides, uh, this is another fundamental point of uh, disagreement in how they are looking at it. I think that a clear message uh, from India has been that it cannot be business as usual, as long as these developments are going uh, forward on the boundary. And that's something that's been repeated in many, many statements. But there's another interesting phrase that the Chinese statements have been emphasizing, uh, I think including in Wang Yi's today, which is that both sides should put the boundary in the appropriate position in the relationship, is what they are saying. So I think that there's a fundamental uh, point of difference here, where India is saying we cannot look at trade investment Uh, FDI, what have you, if you're not going to ensure that there's peace on the boundary and previous agreements are being respected. But I think the Chinese are saying, I think they're saying that they are unhappy, obviously, with, say, India's moves to restrict investment, with the banning of apps. And they say that, listen, our consensus since the 1980s has been, you know, uh, compartmentalizing issues and that what happens on the boundary may happen on the boundary, but other aspects of the relationship have to continue. But I think that, uh, Jayant, this summer, uh, I would say, uh, has been a little bit of an inflection point and wake-up call for India uh, in and how it approaches relations with China. And I think that there's no going back to the previous model of trying to compartmentalize things in the relationship. You have a standoff uh, in some place on the LAC, but at the same time, different things go on. You have informal summits, you have trade and investment, you have Chinese companies coming in and investing huge amounts of money. I think that Following the summer, the message seems to be that you no longer can do that, especially if you're looking at mobilizing a huge number of troops, you're looking at bloodshed for the first time uh, since 1975, shots fired for the first time since 1975. So I think it really is a new normal as far as the relationship is concerned. And there is no going back to what it was pre-May
0: 2020. Yeah. Um, so Asni, as you mentioned, um, you know, winter is approaching and that uh, creates concerns for both sides um and so you know as we head into the next few months uh, how far away uh, are we really from returning to uh, the status quo that existed in may
1: if uh, if at all we, we will head in that direction um certainly Jen, the first steps have now been put out by the government in terms of a quick disengagement, ensuring that the two sides maintain a distance, that peace and tranquility, if you like, is restored to the line of actual control. And troops move back to what the Indian side uh, has referred to as permanent positions. Um, That's one part of it. The second, as I mentioned, is the fact that uh, India has also taken certain steps when it comes to when it comes to economic measures, when it comes to other measures, and whether India is planning to walk those back. Uh, the third is going to be about bilateral dialogue itself. And, and of course, in, in this field of diplomacy, as I said, there are four dialogues going on right now. And of course, there is the fifth dialogue that we haven't mentioned yet, which was the the uh, the two informal summits between Prime Minister Modi and President Xi Jinping. Now, in the last few years, that has been the new characteristic if you like, to the India-China relationship. But we also know that in the last six years, Prime Minister Modi met with uh, President Xi at least 18 times on the sidelines of various events. Uh, they have been mentioned in each of the communiques as as the consensus between them being the driving force between the two countries. And I think the real question is, when they meet again, which way will they go? After all, the two, uh, the two uh, meetings between the two sides that came after Doklam, the informal summit in Wuhan and then the one in Mamlapuram, appears not to have been successful in avoiding the kind of standoff and avoiding the kind of violence we have seen in the last few months. Um, We have not yet really heard about uh, about the specifics of what the two leaders discussed, but if there is a way forward, it would have to come from another meeting between the two leaders. Um, And uh, what we do know is that uh, they are expected to meet uh, perhaps at the G20 summit in Saudi Arabia, which is going to be held in November. There is an SEO summit, but now I think that's going to be on a video conference. Uh, and the question really, are they going to continue the idea of these informal summits that they've had in the last few years? So I think what you're seeing is um, between the the, the, the real immediate term and the long, long term, there are a lot of decisions that still have to be made. I still think the largest decision that is going to occur is going to be how we see our security and our security threat perceptions when it comes to the line of actual control, since the belief has been that while the line of control with Pakistan was something that could erupt at any time and therefore was manned accordingly, it even has the uh, the fencing between the two sides, it has actually, they have been able to uh, pull back uh, many of their um, uh, of their troop positions as a result of that fencing, um, but it remains a volatile line. Is that going to be the future of the line of actual control? And even if it isn't, is that something that India can now afford not to prepare for, that some other part of the LAC could erupt in the same way, or that China could attempt to build a new LAC, if you like, you know, unilaterally um, change the course of the LAC, is what the Indian government has been saying, in another part of the line of actual control? How does India now prepare for that? Does it mean that we will have to have many more men along the line of actual control? Or is this entire uh, standoff going to head in a direction where we will actually see more movement towards the resolution of this extremely complex and long-standing dispute between the two countries?
0: In Focus we will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify,